everyone, happy Alzheimer's Awareness Month and Brain Health Awareness Month. Today, Ashley and I have invited a special guest to our podcast to talk about Alzheimer's Awareness Month. Yes, I am so excited. Everyone, please welcome Ania, the president of Flint Hills Alzheimer's Awareness Club. Hi everyone, I'm so excited to be here. I've been really looking forward to having this chance to talk about Alzheimer's and the importance of prevention and, and awareness. Yes, I can't wait to learn more about Alzheimer, Alzheimer's myself. So before we begin asking Ania questions, I think that's important to say quickly that these two awareness months are not just random ones that we have chosen to pair together. Ultimately, as you will hear in the podcast, Alzheimer's and keeping a healthy cognitive and physical lifestyle are interconnected. If we learn how to maintain a healthy brain state, this can only help us prevent having any kinds of dementia issues in the future. It should also be noted that the CDC has an initiative going called the Healthy Brain Initiative that works to promote the connection between proper brain health in our lives and dementia prevention. New research on these two topics keeps surfacing in the medical research world and it has now become very prevalent to medical professionals that we need to take care of our brain health from a young age so that numbers of dementia patients do not increase even more than right now in the future. I totally agree with that and I think that this is the reason I find spreading awareness about Alzheimer's is so important. What Alzheimer's is, it's a subcategory of dementia. Alzheimer's mostly targets the memory part of the brain, but more than any other type of dementia. And in a way, it changes the person and how they live. Unfortunately, we are on the rise, and the rate of people being diagnosed with Alzheimer's is growing rapidly. Alzheimer's is the sixth leading cause of death in the United States, and about five million people have it. Alzheimer's kills more than breast cancer and prostate cancer combined. The cost of Alzheimer's can lead to $1.1 trillion by 2050. Okay, so Ania, we have some quick questions for you relating to Alzheimer's. Is it okay if we start asking you? Yep, let's go. Alright, so first off, I know a lot of people think of Alzheimer's and they immediately think of older people in our society having it. I know that I've heard somewhere recently that dementia can occur in any age of patient, not just our elderly population. Is this true? Can you explain a little bit about the age range that dementia actually affects? There are actually factors that go into figuring out if someone actually is going to have dementia. Age is one of the biggest factors, so assuming that older people would have it would be a reasonable assumption. Alzheimer's is genetic, but it's not like if your mother has it that you're going to have a 100% chance of it. You're just going to have a higher chance of it. Race can actually play a role, but it's not always the biggest factor. People who are Latino or African American are one and a half more times likely to develop Alzheimer's than, say, a white person. I see. Wow, that's pretty amazing. I never knew that about Alzheimer's, but I guess we still do not know enough about it in order to determine what age range or specific group of people would be most vulnerable. Okay, so we also wanted to know what you think about the role of the media in our population or society's actual perception of dementia itself. Unfortunately, there really hasn't been much on Alzheimer's in the media. It's all about the coronavirus nowadays, and it's mostly prioritized towards the pandemic. But besides the coronavirus, I mean, it's mostly about breast cancer, prostate cancer, even though Alzheimer's kills more than breast and prostate combined. I see. That's really sad, but it does make sense. Our world is pretty big chaos right now with COVID-19, and I guess other medical trials and research projects haven't been put on the back burner, as to say. Okay, Ania, final question. Are there any types of activities or things people can do in order to prevent themselves from getting dementia? What about on the spreading awareness side? Is there anything students can do to get involved with spreading importance of understanding of this illness? 
there isn't really a specific way to prevent dementia completely. However, you can always lower your risks. You can always play games that help the development of the frame, the brain. Excuse me. Lumosity is one really popular memory building game, and it's free for download. You can also play video games, board games, any game that really requires thinking. And there have been many links to brain development with video games and games in general. In terms of spreading awareness, people can donate to research centers or support one of the biggest advocates for Alzheimer's research, the Alzheimer's Association. Thank you so much, Ania. Alzheimer's honestly has been a recent popular study in the medical world, considering that the numbers of patients with Alzheimer's has increased since the 1990s. There are some factors that doctors and medical researchers actually think has caused that to occur. One of those things is lack of sleep. Yeah, that's totally right. Since the 1990s, the rise of technology and integrating it into our life has occurred, which has also caused a lot of population to become sleep-deprived and more distracted. In addition to that, the American lifestyle has become one that is filled with a lot more stress and pressure to perform. Therefore, the quality of our sleep and the condition of our minds and thinking processes have decreased, creating a rise in the number of dementia patients. Also, getting back to the idea of the media affecting our mindset, I'm kind of mad that our society is so affected by that. But that also brings me to the idea of brain health and its connection to preventing dementia from a younger age. I know that a lot of media sites promote ideas such as eat these foods for better cognitive functioning or nine proven tips to living a better life. But sometimes, honestly, these media sites overwhelm my thinking process and I end up not even being able to take a look at their tips, let alone incorporate it in my daily life. That's why I think it's important we talk about it now and clarify three things that actually do count and help you have a better cognitive functioning. I want to talk about sleep in the greatest detail, but do not forget that all three of these factors could potentially prevent memory loss and dementia in the future. Are you guys ready? They're super simple and oftentimes we just overlook them. Sleep. There's a new type of study emerging in the medical world called glymphatics. Think of your brain like this. Your brain is a car. When you start your day, you wake up, the car also starts its engine and begins to move. It goes wherever you move, carrying you throughout the day. However, like any other machine, the car slowly collects toxic waste that will dispose of later on. It builds up as the day goes on and only disappears when you turn off that engine, aka go to sleep. The process of sleeping is when our glymphatic system turns on. It takes that waste that has built up in your brain all day and throws it in the trash. Another analogy you can think of is our process of sweating. Sweating is the body's reaction when we are hot and exercising, but it's the same thing, it's this also the same way in which our body disposes of toxins that it no longer needs. Same with the brain. And guess what? If you don't sleep well enough eight to nine hours every night, that process of the glymphatic system working never happens. And what happens to the machine when toxic waste just builds up? That's right. Eventually the machine will crash, crash and stop working. That brings me to the most important point. Researchers are now actually finding on postmortem patients that these proteins that spread all over the brain and cause Alzheimer's to emerge in the first place could be lessened if our society learned to sleep more. Let me ask you this question. I know that we're all high school students and we, ha we tend to have a lot of homework and stay up late, right? So have you ever been in a situation in which you had to cram for a text test next day and therefore stayed up all night just to study, reaching for caffeine instead of sleep? Have you ever thought along of the lines of, it's okay, to, it's okay, sleep is not needed because I have caffeine and it'll help me stay alert and awake. Plus, who has time for sleep? This test is way more important. Well, let me tell you why that is not the right response. It may actually end up hurting and decreasing your memory skills in the future. Our glymphatic system does not work unless our bodies are asleep. 
Therefore, if you decide to stay up and not sleep and instead drink caffeine, your brain has no time to dispose of that waste that it has built up during the day and, and, and during the night, and instead that waste just sits there in our brains piling up. In fact, since you're not helping the brain get rid of it, if you continue this process of not sleeping well enough, the brain will continue to hold some of that waste and it'll end up ruining your memory and making your memory foggy. Wow, really? That's why chugging three cups of coffee just to stay awake makes some people feel like they have a cloudy mind. It can't replace the benefits that sleep gives us. Alright, the second is diet. Did you know that your diet actually is proven to affect your cognitive functioning? A study was recently done by Aaron Barbie and his team at the University of Illinois. His team studied the effects that nutrients, for example, omega-3, have our cognitive functioning. They used scanners to take x-rays and see the way that food nutrients interacted and communicated with different parts of our brain. They then had their study patients take tests for memory and executive functioning. They saw that this also had a connection to the nutrients patients were receiving through the new food change. The food change consisted of eating a lot of lysopene and omega-3 found in watermelons and eating a lot of green leafy vegetables which are high in folate and other essential nutrients. Barbie and his team then concluded, our study suggests that a diet and nutrition moderate the association between network efficiency and cognitive performance. This means that the strengthened association between the functional brain network efficiency and cognitive performance is associated with the level of nutrients. Wow, I can't believe that nutrition plays such a big role in keeping our cognitive fun- functioning healthy. I guess that based on all this research, all of us should really start to think about changing our diets even just the tiniest bit and incorporate more vegetables so that our brains can function at their highest performance rates. Think of your brain as a professional athlete. Would you feed a professional athlete junk food and then expect them to perform to their best ability? No. So think of this analogy with your brain and try to remember what it does for you in your daily life. It helps you move, talk, and breathe. What would you do without it? All right, lastly, getting to number three, getting to do moderate exercise every day for 30 minutes at least is very important to keep our brain cognitive function healthy. Wow, these three things are definitely things that we all need to change in our lives so we can have a better healthy brain. Yes, please do try to consider these factors and think of it as preparing your brain to perform at its peak condition. All right. Thank you everyone for taking time to listen to this special Brain Health Awareness and Alzheimer's Awareness Month podcast from your Mental Health Alliance. I'm so happy that all of you have found this topic important enough in your own life that you took time out of your busy schedules to listen. Thank you! Thank you.